Welcome to As You Were, podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week, it's Midnight Blue. It came just like the rising sun, the shame of everything I've done, and the pain blew in just like a storm, and now it's... What do you think that's a reference to? I don't know. Because I don't think it's to anything. No. It's just like two two words he picked from a bank. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's got a, it's it's got a nice like old feel to it. I feel yeah. like this is a song that like a crooner would sing. Mm-hmm. Dean Martin with his cigarette and his cocktail glass. Mm-hmm. Or Matt Skiba with a bunch of sparks and monster energy and then just doing shots of Malort. How much monster energy do you think that guy drinks? <sighs> Probably more than I ever have in my life. Yeah. Because I've never had one. Really? No. I've never been an energy drink fella. That's a good thing. I think yeah. that that's the whole species. I throw enough bullshit in my body like regularly that I don't need to augment it with like guarana and you yeah. know, bad caffeine. Um, welcome to As You Were. A podcast. About Alkaline Trio. Hey, so we're here to talk about Midnight Blue, which is the first track that we've hit in our in our patented playlist system that comes from the band's last LP, My Shame is True. Kind of crazy to think that their last LP was now five years ago, six years ago? Was it, it 2012 or 2013? 2013. Damn. I remember seeing adverts all over chicago and when, when i was living here and i was like wow that's a that's yeah. a bad title for your record yeah that was i will say i think i reflexively kind of disliked this record more before it even came out uh-huh. just because of the name yeah i didn't hate the album cover that's um, a good album cover and i would like to you know at a future date we should maybe talk about their album covers and iconography uh-huh. but not today yeah, uh, yeah but yeah seeing that was just kind of like oh man Right. It's you reach a point with this band where you're you're already on edge and then you see that the name of the new record is My Shame is True and you're just like, Well, guess it's not gonna be the return to form. Yeah. I it reminds me of when they played I think it was a Riot Fest show at Congress Theater before this addiction. Uh And a friend of mine who is like not very oh, like versed in them, like not a fan, but also just as kind of unaware of them went because yeah. they were like opening for someone and it was in the agony and irony period. So they had these like big white, almost like church like kind of banners hanging down uh-huh. one side of agony, one side of irony. And I remember asking him like, Oh, what'd you think? And he was just like, I don't think they know what either of those words mean. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sounds about right. Um, Midnight blue. What, what track is this? Midnight blue is track number nine of 12 of 12 huh interesting place on a record uh and i think this song kind of fits the bill for a a a spot like that where i'm gonna say it's a little bit of a throwaway you're not throwing your best material in track number nine if you're writing a unless you're the replacements left of the dials the ninth track on tim best record ever made yes i my favorite record is also called david um (laughs) but uh yeah, I mean, 
you can you can slot a great song in that spot, but right. you have to have a record of like killer material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would not describe this record as killer material. And this song to me has always just really signified my issue with late period Alkaline Trio and specifically this record is it's kind of inoffensive, middle of the road, and just kind of vaguely generic to me. Yeah. And I know you hadn't heard this record you dropped off before. Uh, you know, what What did it feel like mis- listening to Midlight, bleh, Midnight Blue for the first time? Well, when I put it on, I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is pretty fine. Yeah. And then when I listened to it again, I was just like, I don't really feel anything that's happening here. Um, it was funny to me because when we, uh, when we pick these tracks, uh, you know, we picked Emma and I was like, yes, I can finally talk about the fact that that's just born to run at the beginning. And then I listened to midnight blue right after. And I was like, this also has the born to run chords. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, and that's like, you know, other other people have used that chord progression too, and they will to the end of time because it's, it's it works. But there was just like it felt very empty. It sure, felt like there wasn't a lot. You know, a lot of uh, thinking about you know maybe changing a few things up, maybe not going through the same chord progressions again. But lyrically, it's just so run of the mill, vague. Yeah, not really anything to attach to. Yeah, well, I. So I'm going to reference our, our friend Jeremy Bohm, who uh, was here on episode 50 and talk about Queen of Pain. Yeah, yeah. Rem- remind us again that the guy that you know was on the show. Yeah, I will, because it was a great episode, and I'm very proud of it. Anyway, before we got here to do this ep and uh, you know, Tim's very cozy studio, we were talking about uh, a show he saw Matt Skiba play acoustic, and Matt was pretty drunk, so this was a while ago. And he was just like kind of fucking up the songs, and he stopped in one and was like, come on like it's all the same progression you have to understand why this is hard for me i can't keep them straight yeah and this song like you said (laughs) it having the same progression as like an emma yeah it is kind of what i don't really love about this song and later period stuff from Uh them is just that like i feel like i've heard this song before right uh and i don't need another version of it if there's already a superior version but there's also a lot of weird things where like lyrically it feels pretty vapid you know, I know Skiba was going through a breakup. That's the entire premise of this record. And I think there's like a couple lines that maybe suggest like that that are pretty pointed. Right. In like the second verse. But by and large, like this is the type of song that feels like he could have, you know, before he was even broken up with, be like, oh, I'm writing songs and I'm just kind of remembering what it feels like to be have broken up with. I mean, opening it up with like it came just like the rising sun. It was like, what? Dude, yeah. what is that even? That happens every day. <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah, there's so much vagueness to it. And it's, it's yeah, he's going through something. And it's that's not to say that, like, you know, he should be pouring it out. Although he's done that in the past. And done a great job of it in the past. And I think that that's an interesting, you know, part to all of it is that you've made your name on opening up in this way being like emotionally forthcoming in such a like eye-opening way that's Mm -hmm. what sucks people in and for you know to this band and then you're trying to just write in these like veiled like terms that aren't really about anything yeah and you know that's part of it and it just feels so 
boilerplate where like it's we've gone back and forth a little bit when we talked on like the fact that Matskiba, you know, aside from Emma, which he wrote the lyrics to, is doesn't write a lot of lyrics. Uh-huh. It's generally switching a line here and there per verse. But hmm, that's a weird way to say it. Perverse. Uh-huh. Uh but this one is just a lot of repetitions of midnight blue. Just kind of over and over again, which right. as we said, like we don't really know what that means. It's a vague sketch of an idea that he's just kind of thrown in there and is just gonna ride until it the song's over. Yeah. You know, and I can understand why, you know, if you're in the room playing and it's like, oh, there's like kind of a little bounce to this and a little life to it, whatever. Uh-huh. But I think it's it speaks to a lot of the issues I have with any band that lasts this long where it's just like you know, you don't maybe have as much to say as you used to. Mm-hmm. You're kind of stuck in the like release an album, tour, tour Europe, tour America again, last cycle tour, writing period, record it. Like, right. it just feels like, all right, we're, we're getting in the motions. And like, also the further you get on, I, I think the less people you have around who are willing to check you. Yeah. You know, when you're in that inner circle, you're never going to be like, dude, that song kind of blows. Right. Like, hey, come on, you've, done that before yeah and you're not saying anything new with it totally and like even you know there's a lead guitar part in the song that's just i don't understand where that comes from like that is not how matt skiba plays guitar no not at all and like i could maybe see that if this song was written after he was in blink 182 because uh-huh. it's kind of that less a little bit less fast uh-huh. it's, it's matt skiba's ability to play that type of riff right but it's just like, why is this here? And like, why are we just having an overdubbed kind of lead line that doesn't really uh-huh. do anything? It doesn't do anything. And that to me, it just feels like, you know, Bill Stevenson produced this record. Mm-hmm. And that just feels like he's got, you know, he's got one hand on the space bar, hits it, and then, you know, hits a fill, and then. That's it. And then, you know, he waits until the next one. And that's just like, what purpose does that serve? Because that's really the only thing that they add on top of this song is is just this, this lead guitar bit that just hits on, you know, the end of the phrases. It's like, who gives a fuck? Well, it's that. And it's also, it speaks to something that I love Bill Stevenson as a songwriter. Yeah. Like, truly. He's, he's the some, best. He's incredible. I think his production style and like, the records he's put out by and large are uninteresting to me. Uh-huh. And I think it's because he kind of tries to like get bands up to his standards and like give them the things they need. And I think that doesn't always serve these bands. Like Bill Stevenson's the type of guy who would, I think smooth out any weirdness that a Matt Skiba composition would maybe have on its face. And I think I would rather see Matt and Dan and Derek all kind of indulge maybe like slightly weirder parts of themselves in order to to achieve something that even if I don't like it, at least I've not heard a half a dozen other times. Right. But they kind of have a history of, of trying to do that and then having a fan base react negatively towards it. Totally. And to me, that's, I've said this maybe not on the podcast, but I've said it to so many people in my life that the great tragedy of this band, and I really think so many bands, is that they tried stuff and people shit on them so hard mm-hmm. that really all they could do to kind of appease people is put out kind of things that are just middle of the road and safe. And this record and the recent ones, even though there's some like really abysmal stuff on them, uh-huh. 
are middle of the road and safe. And I think that's the difficulty about being in a band for a long time is, you know, aside from maybe not knowing what you want to say, it's also kind of like, well, what do we do? We, we made Crimson, which had all the bells and whistles. Right. People hated it. People were already jumping off board by the time we're from here to infirmary. Right. You know, and the Alkaline Trio has so many dear, different pockets of fans from like people who are only into the early stuff and maybe don't listen to a lot of like pop punk that followed. They, there are died in the wool vagrant fans who like listen to emo. There are, you know, hot topic crowd. There is the modern crowd. Like, uh-huh. and there's no way they're ever going to be able to rectify all those things. Right. But I would rather them like try and make something that is like a record that they have some vested interest in, as opposed to just making a record. Well, what do you think it is in particular about this band I feel like it's not, is it particular to this band that the fan base is so vocal and so rabid? Do you think that they are unique in that, in that front where, you know, the exploration just gets like such a violent reaction from people? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know if they're unique in that way. Cause I think you could say there's been plenty of bands that they were contemporaries with or one time lumped with uh-huh. who had that, right? Uh, you could say it for the Get Up Kids or Saves the Day or or any of them, right? But to like draw the comparison back to like Bill Stevenson's bands, they wrote weird fucking records a lot, yeah. You know, and people still appreciate parts of them and like allow them to like get up on stage and play a song that's like five minutes long and basically talk spoken word about farting, you know, and like uh-huh. a fake made up religion and like that's as much as people maybe don't like that, they've embraced it. And, and worn it as a badge of honor that they like the, the band that is a little weird. Right. And I think people haven't done that as much with them. And I think it's because Alkaline Trio really, you, they kind of imprint on you. They're a band that hits you at a certain time for a certain reason. You know, I've never really encountered someone who's like, yeah, they're okay. They right. either like really dislike them or really like them. And by really like them, I mean maybe even only a record or two. Uh-huh. But I think they are something that like represents a moment just because of when they kind of came up. Maybe if we're talking to a 17 year old now, that would be slightly different. Yeah. Because they're also consuming music differently. Right. Right. But you know, Alkaline Tree was a band that was always catching shit, be it from like signing to Vagrant and doing that tour or then opening for My Chemical Romance. Right. You know, they were a band that kind of couldn't win. Uh huh. Yeah. and, And I guess that's what it feels like. You know, when you, when you look back, like we have been talking a lot recently about how much we really adore the good morning era Mm -hmm. because they were trying so many different things and there were certain paths that we're looking at it and we're thinking like you know why didn't they do jake don green beers again or sure why didn't like you know the solo splits that matt and dan did like why didn't they go down that route more yeah um and it, it is it is tough, I guess, to consider because you think about it and you think about it in terms of the exchange between artists and fans where you have fans who are vocally opposed to something the moment you're trying to do something differently that it's impossible to not think that that's not going to affect the band negatively unless you completely turn your back on your fan base, which... I mean, I don't I don't fault anybody for not doing that. No, totally. And like I'm actually kind of supportive of it at this point where like I think about bands who are deep into a career, have a lot of records that I still follow and love because there's plenty you know, if Alkaline Trio surprise releases a record tomorrow, 
I'll listen to it. Right. You know, without question. And, but there's a band like, I don't know, I'll use Convergence as an example, who's mm. been around longer than Alkaline Trio, has more releases than Alkaline Trio. And I would say, new record notwithstanding, all of them are great. And they're all different. Like, right. when people are like, how do I get into this band? I can't just be like, I can't really make you a playlist because everything is so context heavy, where it's like, oh, that's where they're really going for Neurosis, or that's where they're going uh, for Nick Cave, or that's where they're defining a genre. Where are they going for Nick Cave? Uh, I mean, Arguably, you fail me in Axe to Fall. Okay, where yeah. they just devolve into piano ballads. Good to know. Um, but you know, there's right. that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Alkaline Trio, you know, now I've had this conversation with fans who have been with them for a long time, and and like me, own everything and go see them. They're just like, I mean, this band hasn't made a record I've liked in ten years. Yeah, what am I doing here? Yeah, and it's just like I would rather them fail spectacularly with like a, you know, arguably an agony and irony but even that's a little lazy in spots then essentially just be like, all right, I I'm going to click play and I know exactly what the moves are going to be. I know exactly what's going to kind of happen. I know like I can see the song titles and ascertain what I'm getting. Right. And you know, as a fan, I'm not entitled to anything. I don't think people are making art for me, nor should they. <laughs> I don't know if I would really want that. Right. But I think there's something to be said just kind of about the idea that like, I've really dedicated my life to just listening to music uh-huh. and that's really all I do and all I concern myself with. So like when I hear a mediocre alkaline trio record or song, I don't really feel the need that like, Oh, I need to love this because I could find five or 10 or 20 other things that scratch the same itch and are better and are young. And you know, they're by people who have something to say. And I think that's as our culture shifts, like I'm sure there are plenty of people who resonate with this and, maybe aren't that way who live a much more richer, fulfilled, nuanced life than I do. <laughs> but you know, that's just kind of the path I've chosen where like, there are so many people working in this tradition of kind of like Midwestern pop punk or even pop punk globally. Like why would I listen to Alkaline Trio when I could listen to Martha? Right. You know, it's, it's just like there are, they're saying something both about like a different, experience but also very politically motivated that like is just as catchy and fun and, and hits me in a different way well i think what we touch on with alkaline trio is there's you know two problems with everything they do whether it's uh you know something that really splits people the way uh this addiction or agony and irony did or you know a record like my shame is true where no matter what they're doing there's a lot of laziness within all of it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the band being at fault in that yeah. instance. You know, they don't go out of their way to, you know, make a record that's divisive and that's not a fault of theirs, but no matter where you are, there's laziness to it. Totally. And there's also the fact that, you know, this has been a band for twenty years and do they need to be do they need to be making new things? Dillinger 4 has been a band yeah. for 20 years but they haven't made a new record in a long time probably because it wouldn't be as good as the last one. Well, and like they're a prime example. Like Dillinger 4 is a perfect example. They again have been around longer than Alkaline Trio and they have four full-length albums. And I but they still play live and I yeah. still go and see them and it's fun because I think those songs are still great and I think those records are still great. You know, and I think that again speaks to like when it becomes your job uh huh. Which now, like we said, it's been five years. Obviously, Matt has another job, and that's fine, and maybe uh-huh. ultimately good for them. Right. But 
you know, I've been saying this to people for the last couple of years where like, I don't think bands need to last forever. Like, I understand why people get sad when a band breaks up, right? Uh-huh. It, and especially then when, like, a year and a half later, they reunite. And it's yeah. Whatever, because that's just a way no, to... No, we got a 10-year anniversary for a record. Cool. You, nobody stopped talking about it yet. Or, like, I've seen now bands announcing five-year anniversary tours. <laughs> and, like, it's just like, what the fuck are we doing? Bands shouldn't tour when they put records out. They should just wait for anniversaries. Yeah, I mean it's a smarter move. And in the case of Alkaline Trio, this would if they do and it's not twenty years of goddamn and if they do that tour, that'll be the third time they've toured that record in full. Uh-huh. Um so that would be, you know, totally useful. Um uh, and like I get for some fans where maybe if you're fifteen and fall in love with Goddammit and never saw it, sure, you know, it's not for me and that's fine. But yeah. like I just don't see the point in like us wanting everything to last forever. Cause that's not the nature of life. Like bands break up and like, you know, you're a huge replacements fan. Yeah. And they're a band that like, in my opinion, I don't love the end of the career as much, but I like the fact that from beginning to end, there's not really two records that are doing the same thing. No. And I loved how, thing willingly messy they would be and deliberately messy they would Uh be you can feel the imprint you can feel you know them in that record it's why i love pile so much because it's you know five full-length records that i don't think any two really sound alike and i think they're all reaching for something differently but you know there's also a band like krill who i love and i love those full lengths but they really kind of hit their apex Uh and you know they acknowledge that and they don't fuck with it you uh-huh. know you don't need to fuck with everything right sometimes it just needs to end and that's well okay. i think that you know the replacements example just because i you know need to make a point about the replacements whenever i can is they make uh their second to last record is the one where they're really reaching it's the one that sounds the most like uh the late 80s yes. and they made it in the late 80s and um you know it it produced one minor hit and that was it. And you could tell that the wheels were starting to fall off. And so they make one record that's about the wheels starting to fall off and then they're done. But what Westerberg does over the course of the replacements is that you listen to the last two records just from a songwriter's perspective. That's when his best bridges are coming out. That's sure. when he's using the most chords. That's when he's like pushing himself in a way when it's just like you're doing matt you're doing the same thing that you did eight years ago and you're putting like you know bad lyrics on top of it now well yeah i mean it's just because it's yeah i mean i guess i just i would rather alkaline trio be the replacements than i would them be bad religion and it's not a knock on bad religion who i think like I've never been a particular. I've oh, never been come a fan. On. We of, can just be that. Bad religion sucks. Who cares? It's not my thing uh-huh. at all. But like, controls a good or no control, control slash no, no control. control. Yeah, it's a it's a double LP. Yeah, one side LP. one one side is uh, is control and the other one's no control. It's yeah. great. But it's yeah, just I like, like I like this one. You got you got the one guy looking here and then the other one looking here and then you got this guy. He's like, what do you want from me? What? Uh, you ever seen Goodfellas? No. Um. Oh my God! Let me. I'm tell more you of a casino me. guy. Let me. To be fair, casino's not good though. It is. It's way too long. Oh well, I mean, yeah, it's way too long. Uh huh. It's good. Goodfellas is the best movie that he's made. Goodfellas is is 
Better than The Godfather. I'm just going to say it. At least I'm going to watch it more times. I'm more of a Godfather 3 man myself. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love when you throw these things to try and get me off a of track, but... You uh-huh. Know. uh-huh. And I always succeed. But that's the thing is, like, yeah, I, I love... always put up a fight. And you lose. Um, But you're used to that by now. Uh, Anyway, to me, it's just, like, I want Elkline Trio to make a record when they feel like they have something to say and something of worth for me but i just don't know what that would be and i think it's as much as matt skiba even in an interview i did with him very much tries to dispel the rumor that like he cares about what people think or what fans think uh-huh. and it's like well then why did you stop doing the adventurous stuff right why yeah. why did you feel the need to make a return to form like i kind of call bullshit on the fact if you're saying that like oh, i don't care what they think we're not motivated by that and then it's like oh people didn't like that return to form record right like that is untrue yeah, you only make absolutely. a return to form record if you feel like you're doing this for someone else. Uh huh. And that's yeah. and that's my issue with the past ten years. Yeah. Um. Well, that was a that was a very impassioned speech, David. And I and it sounds like you uh, you really thought about it a lot, um, or at least for the past ten years. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> I've given a thought once or twice. What do you uh, What do you rate this song? I give it a two and a half midnights out of five. It's it's a two out of five, right? That's yeah. that's exactly what this is. There's there's nothing offensive except for the idea that uh, you know a lead guitar overdub was gonna fix anything here or yeah. add anything just to it. Shorten the verse. Or <laughs> bring somebody in that like just doesn't do like dumbass like dad rock bends. Oh god. Um. Hey, but uh, you know, for the most part, we have fun doing this and so we're we're all glad that you that you decided to come and and join us uh subscribe to it on apple podcasts and on stitcher uh tell a friend about it we've been uh we've been really fortunate um enough you know the the beginning of this this process has been so it's been so helpful to have so many people that are sharing it and you know letting uh anybody within an earshot know that uh hey if you're interested in getting into the gritty yeah getting deep into the shit these guys aren't afraid of cutting the hands dirty but um you know we do it because uh because we like doing it and we're going to continue to do it so we'll be back next week thanks brothers midnight blue midnight blue and it came just like the rising sun the shame of everything I've done. And the pain blew in just like a storm. And now it rains and will forevermore. Is that Lovecraft? That's, uh, that's a poem I wrote in uh, high school. Ah. Good work. I would give it a B plus. I would give it two and a half out of five.